This is East Screen, West Screen with Paul and Kevin, where if films were food, they'd be full of it. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of East Screen, West Screen. It is Tuesday, August 24th, 2010, and this is episode 39. Once again, I am Paul Fox, and joining me, as always, is my friend and cohort, Mr. Kevin Ma. Hello, everybody. All right, well, we're here to talk about movies. Um, So we've got an East Screen film for this week, and that is the Indian film. Actually, I, I I guess you could argue this is a U.S. Indian production based on some of the studios involved. Uh, the film is My Name is Khan. Khan! So, yeah, unfortunately this is not the uh, Khan Noonien Singh from uh, Star Trek II uh, and the TV series uh, fame. No, no Ricardo Montalban here. Um <laughs> But who do we have instead? Will we have um, an even bigger star, at least in terms of uh, Bollywood, and that is the star named uh, Shah Rukh Khan, if I'm hopefully pronouncing his name correctly, um, who's, as I understand it, I haven't seen much of his work, I've seen some of it, is, you know, uh, I guess he's the Brad Pitt of Bollywood, um, and he's what he's sort of the top male star over there these days. And I didn't really know what to expect going in to see this film. And I was really surprised. I I was kind of put off by the length. I don't like overly long films. Mm -hmm. But I found myself really getting into the story, and I I wasn't... the, The length didn't bother me. A lot of times I keep looking at my watch, and I'm thinking, oh, this is an overly long movie. When's it going to be over? I didn't find myself doing that. I found myself engaged with the story and the characters, and I found it really, really enjoyable. Now, that being said, it's not without its problems. So the story is basically um, the, the the main character, who's named Rizwan Khan, uh, it's the story of his life. starts out in India. He is a young mom um, from a Muslim family. And if you're not familiar with, the way, you know, India has a lot of religions. It's got uh, Islam, it's got um, Hindu, Buddhism, among others. And there's a lot of tensions between the Hindus and the Muslims. And there's been quite a bit of violence between these two groups in the past. And so that's um, sort of hinted at here. And this is a film that's really centered around the notion of otherization and rejection, and hate, and how one person basically rises above all of that through his own simple worldview, which is handed down primarily from his mother. Now, Rizwan is a unique individual in that he has um, the the mental illness or the disability that um, is known as Asperger's syndrome, right? And basically, that's uh, a type of illness that really um, affects social skills more than anything else. Um, the the people who have this illness, they tend to be very capable, ma- functioning members of society, but they have certain traits that sometimes make their behaviors a little bit um, odd or strange in social situations. 
And so Rizwan, you know, they, they, when he's growing up in India, they don't really know what it is that he has. It, it, you know, they have no, they're from a very poor family. They have no way of diagnosing it. Um, and so he grows up, you know, dealing with this and his mother grows up um, sort of doting on him. And he has a brother who sees his mother always doting on Rizwan. And even though the brother is excelling in school and doing very well, he seems to get it. He feels he's being ignored. So he sort of resents Rizwan. Ultimately, he ends up going off to the United States. And then later, um, Rizwan follows him over and ends up in the U.S. too, working with his brother. And it is thereupon that he meets um, his love interest, who is uh, Mandira, played by Kajol, Kajol or Kajul. Um, I love these people who have one one word names, you know, they, <laughs> they, they, it's like, you know, Teller from Penn and Teller or Cher. It's, they're just able to, to and, and some of them do it legally. As I understand, like Teller actually legally got his name changed to just Teller. So that's what it is on his driver's license. That's what it is on his passport. Um, I, I, I'd like to do that. I, I think it's a, I, I, I don't think I'm ever going to be famous enough to justify doing that, but I think it'd be kind of cool just to say, you know, what's your name? Fox. That's it. Yeah, that's it. You know. Um, <clears throat> so he he meets his love interest, Mandirin. He then goes about trying to woo her, um, which is difficult given his, his handicap. Um, but uh, it basically goes on to they get married and start their life together. Um, and then everything changes when 9-11 happens. And so the first, I don't want to say the first half of this film is really the history of Rizwan and him dealing with this. And a lot of it's told through a series of flashbacks until the film sort of catches up with the present day. And because it starts out with him on the road traveling he, and he's on a mission to go meet the president of the United States, who at the time is President George W. Bush. And his reason for going there is because of all the discrimination and all the prejudice that's being put out towards Muslims and people who Americans just think are Muslim through simply looking at somebody and saying they look like they're Muslim, even though they might be Buddhist or they might be Christian or might be anything. They just look different. And so it's a, there's a lot of racism uh, that's sort of on the undercurrent here. And... Because of this, uh, he he basically gets tasked by his wife in the heat of an argument to go and tell the president that he is not a terrorist, and so this becomes his goal, um, and he will not he's not going to be able to go home until he's done this. And you know, for those in the United States, especially under the Bush administration, you know how tight security was for any of his speaking engagements. Um, this is like a near impossible task. It's Herculean, um, in effect. And how is this simple person who's got, um, a handicap going to be able to accomplish this? And this sets the core of the movie. And then it sort of becomes a little bit of a forced Gump tale where he travels around, he meets different people and it's him in, encountering these people. Um, he ends up getting persecuted at a, at a later point by the government, um, and so it's very reflective of a lot of the stuff that was going on 
um, in you know the early part of the millennium under the Bush administration in the post 9/11 environment. Um, it tries really hard, um, and it it does. I, I think it really works um, through through what it does have to work with. But there are a lot of stereotypes here in terms of characterizations. Uh, the performances are really great. I think that Shah Rukh Khan, when I've seen him in other stuff, I mean, he's very the very typical male lead. Maybe it comes off as a little bit cocky. Here, I just thought it, it was a very nice departure, and he, he, he pulled it off really well. I wasn't sure he was going to be able to do it, and I think he did an amazing job. Um, I still think it's probably a bit too long for Western audiences. Not that they'll ever see it. Um, this is probably the best film that Americans will not see this year um, because it got a limited release. I think it played in a part of an Indian festival um, earlier in the year. It got limited release, and I don't think anybody saw it. You can get it now. It's already out on DVD, and you can get it on iTunes. It just I, I it doesn't seem to have gotten much play and much word of mouth, which is a shame because it's really dealing with issues that are even now very, very relevant in the United States. Um, the narrative is really predictable, right? Um, almost everything you would think could happen to this character happens to this character at some point. Uh, you know, as uh, George Bush might might have said, you know, he's, uh, he had the policy of no child left behind. Well, this movie has the policy of no plot hook left behind. Um, <laughs> it uses everything um, pretty much. And, and as I said, there are stereotypes here, and it seems like some of these characters are written by people who only know the United States based on Hollywood characters and Hollywood sort of archetypes. Um, I think the two that stand, the three that stand out in my mind the most are uh, a Mama, Mama Jenny character, who's this very large African-American lady that he ends up meeting in uh, Wilhelmina, Georgia, who's like straight out of... Um, gone with the wind, you know, she looks like, um, maybe, you know, Mrs. Mrs. Butterworth or, or Aunt Jemima, that sort of big friendly, um, but very poor African-American woman, uh, character that you would, you know, you, you would expect, uh, someone to meet in these situations. Um, then her, she's got a, I guess, I, I don't remember if it was her, it wasn't her son, it was her grandson, I believe, um, cause her son had been over in the war uh, but his son's name's funny hair joel and he's got like this really freaky kind of a you know afro um Good curly like, hair yeah, kind of deal kind of kind of looks like uh buckwheat back from the little rascals um <clears throat> so yeah if you can get past the stereotypes and you can get past the length there's there's really some good storytelling and there's really a good uh some good political issues that are at the heart of this um the interesting thing is that Khan himself, the actor, um, apparently went through a security check in New York while he was, or in Newark, New Jersey, an airport that I often fly through, that, and when he was in the United States, going to the United States to um, promote the film, actually, he got stuck in a security check. He got pulled aside and held up, and you can read about that um, uh, on the internet. They, they talk about it on his Wikipedia entry. And, you know, some people were saying, oh, it was a publicity stunt for the film. But in fact, it turned out it wasn't that, um, 
they ended up having to call like the Indian consulate and people, you know, regular people recognized him and were saying, no, he's like a famous actor, you know, he's, he's not a terrorist. Um, well, I'm sure the Indian, Indian consulate didn't mind meeting SRK. Yeah. <laughs> at, I, at work. I'm sure. Um, and you know, a lot, so a lot of the issues here that basically it comes down to the notion of it's not about a person's religion. It's, you know, there are two kinds of people in the world. There are good people and there are bad people. And, that, and that's the basis for judgment, not on anything else. And it's a very simple philosophy, but it's one that I think is very applicable. And especially if you look at all the political fur that's going on in the United States right now, as we're recording this, with regard to the community center that's, um, you know, trying to be built um, near the ground zero uh, spot from the 9-11 attacks, and just all the p- protesting and a lot of the hate speech that's going on in the United States right now, it's very much relevant to a lot of what this film is talking about. Um, and it, uh, the other thing that you can kind of look to here, too, is a lot of commentary with regard to at least how the filmmakers viewed the previous presidency under George W. Bush and how they viewed, at least at the time of making the film, the coming presidency of Barack Obama, both of which who make uh, an an appearance in the film and both of which whose appearances are handled in a slightly different manner. Um, And as I mentioned, the character of Mama Jenny was from this fictitious township in Georgia called Wilhelmina, which is basically a stand-in for Louisiana. They have this huge hurricane um, that comes through, and and that's that's another one of the major plot points of the film. Um, factual part, though, is that there's no FEMA to be found <laughs> during, <laughs> during the cleanup of that. So um, I enjoyed this film. I, I'm looking forward to getting it on DVD and, and watching it again. Um, the music's great. I don't understand Hindi, um, but I still enjoyed the music. Um, much of the dialogue is in Hindi, even though it's taking place in the American. There, In America, there is some English thrown in here and there, but... Um, you know, it's mostly, mostly, mostly in Hindi and you're going to be watching subtitles. So if you're not somebody who really enjoys subtitles, uh, that may be, be a little bit of a turnoff, but I would, I would urge you to go out and see this, especially if you're a listener out there from the United States, because I think it's very relevant to a lot of stuff that the people in the States are dealing with right now. Kevin, what do you think? What do you say? Um, I th- actually, I think that's the thing is since the stereotypes are what might stop a general American audience from wanting to watch the film? Um, it's one of those things that are kind of hard to ignore, especially when you have the the Mama Jenny and the funny hair Joe characters and the way they view Americans and American behaviors. And I think if there's Americans, something one thing that American people don't like, it's to see themselves stereotyped. Um, in a certain kind of a satirical way. Um, and I think that's really the weakness of the movie. It seems like the, the filmmakers couldn't kind of constrain, they couldn't restrain their own stereotypes of America. They really took that and blew it up, and that's how they viewed America. Um, I, I think you see it as some kind of a fairy tale, I think, in my work, some kind of fairy tale world or like an alternate world. Uh, it will work. Um, other than that, it's a fantastic film. I, I think it tries really hard to please. Um, and I think it succeeds very well in the first half. It really knows how to set up its characters and make them likable. 
And um, it does a lot of the cinematic language. It's a very bombastic movie because we watched this at the um, watched this at the, at the Grand Cinema with, uh, with the rumble seats, and the, and the seats rumbled quite a bit, uh, even though it's a straight up character drama. Um, I like that it's kind of like a, for, a Bollywood Forrest Gump for the nine post nine eleven era, um, and also it's not really a typical Bollywood film in that there are no dance numbers in the film, um, but. And in that case, it's not really a commercial Bollywood film um, because it doesn't really have that really important musical element in it. Um, and I could see why that the film was a. And I'm pretty sure we watched it. We we saw the same Wikipedia page because um, it said uh, on there that the film opened well because of SRK the star, um, but it didn't really hold on because I I suppose that it doesn't really it's not really made in a typical Bollywood film. Uh, manner. With that said, I, I personally prefer Three uh, Idiots a little bit. Three Idiots, I think, came out the same year, and um, that's the film that My Name is Khan tried to beat in the box office, uh, total box office gross, and couldn't. Um, I, I like that film a little bit in both the way it told a story and what, what it was telling was uh, relevant, but also it didn't really miss, it didn't, it didn't ignore the, the commercial aspects of the of a typical Bollywood film. Now, with that said, My Name is Khan is still a very good film. I I enjoyed it for what it is. I was entertained. Um, I think it dealt with a lot of um, a lot of important important issues. Um, some of them is done insightfully. For example, the the, the racism, the post nine eleven um, racial profiling stuff. I think that was uh, somewhat insightful. But then you have some really shallow look. At big issues like uh, the the FEMA thing, the the the, the flooded town, um, I thought, and and this is something I mentioned to you throughout the movie, Paul. The the Church of Rock, <laughs> this the village in Georgia, yeah. they call their church the Church of Rock. Yeah, yeah that's um, set. That's set. I I'm from the south, and I've been through Georgia. I've driven through there, and thus some of the smaller towns, and um, that that the set for that town seemed like it was about three or four decades out of place. Oh Um, yeah. That definitely looked like a set. There's no doubt that was definitely a set. Um, I I thought that whole diversion into that, the town thing was a little much for me. Um, even though, and, and, you know, I, I keep watching this movie. I keep thinking, I keep comparing it for some reason to aftershock. Um, aftershock and my name is Khan both deal with, some societal changes um, in the country um, after uh, national trauma, and I think my name is Khan dealt with it a little better. Uh, even though it is also a, a tearjerker and it tries very hard, um, and and it, it almost got me because it is a uh, at some points it is rather touching. Um, but you know, unlike aftershock, I think my name is Khan actually has something to say it asks questions it it asks questions and it doesn't really try it doesn't necessarily try to answer them but it gives but it lets you think it, it's a it, it it becomes an insight and it becomes it gets the audience involved it to think about the issues rather than to just sit through and and be moved to tears um it's not a movie that only makes you feel things. It's a movie that makes you think, and at the same time, it's also uh, it also doesn't forget that it's a big budget blockbuster film, and that it also touches you emotionally. And I think um, even though 
in a way also uses real tragedy to 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 squeeze out tears i think at least my name is khan actually dealt with the issues that followed the disaster um it's not a perfect film uh, like i said i still like create it better and um Sadly, the, the the subject matter and and the way it's told and the story itself is kind of too 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 grim for audience participation. Um, even though the first hour again is is very um, it's very enjoyable because it is uh, it's mostly a romance. It's mostly well those uh, fish out of water story. Uh, SRK is immensely likable as the body with Forrest Gump. Um, his little mannerisms are great, uh, though, uh, and the way the way the the, the, the these uh, nice characters, the way the characters deal with him is always interesting to watch, and and um, it's quite an amazing performance. It's, it's, it's harder than you think to make a, a ill mentally ill character um, make him a likable leading man, and I think SRK really pulled it off. Um, overall, yes, my name is Khan. I think it's uh, definitely recommended if you like. Uh, if you're into foreign cinema and you can take the the kind of you can expect the kind of Asian Asian made stereotype of the West, if you can handle that, if you can get through that, uh, it's definitely a great film to watch. But if you, I I would find it a little difficult to recommend if you if you're if you're uh, if you have a steady diet of American films. You're listening to the East Screen West Screen podcast. Visit Comcast.com for more. All right, it's time to move on to talk about our West Screen news for this week. Um, not again, not a lo- whole lot of news to talk about. A um, couple of news articles did catch my eye this week, though. Uh, the first being that uh, Anna Paquin and Stephen Moyer, who some of you may know as uh, the leading characters from the True Blood HBO series, um, they have gotten married. Um, it says that. No! Anna! <laughs> uh, they had a private home, married at a private home in Southern California Beach Enclave in a sunset ceremony on Saturday, attended by several of their True Blood co-stars. Um, so congratulations to them. Uh, I'm hoping that uh, this won't uh, affect their work on the show at all. Although, I, you know, I've heard a rumor that uh, they were looking to try and get True Blood in syndication and they were uh the article i don't remember where it was was saying that if uh, they're they're trying to because they're think trying to get it sold for syndication it would become a lot more tame you know it wouldn't be as adult as it is which is i think one of the reasons a lot of people like the show so a lot of people say it would be a mistake for hbo to sort of try and farm it out in that direction um but congratulations to them and uh I think I told this story before. My uh, my mom and my my dad are huge uh, True Blood fans, and their best friends lived down the street from them in Florida. Uh, were on vacation in Hawaii, and this couple came over to them and wanted to, uh, you know to to sit with them and start chatting in there because they had a kid with them that was around the same age as um, my parents' friend's granddaughter. Uh, who was with them. So they all started, the kids started playing and they started talking. And my parents' friends, they don't watch a lot of stuff. They had no idea, you know, who these people were. My mom found out about it later after their trip and freaked. 
um, you know, because she's she's a huge fan of the show, and um, especially I think she's she's got a thing for uh, Bill or Stephen <laughs> Moyer, um, and that was a that was sort of an interesting story that you know he, of you know all the people that you could meet, you meet people that have no idea who you are, and then you're cool with that because you don't want to be recognized, you know. Um, so it's just an interesting little side story that I had from my parents. Yeah, um, I think that's like the dream vacation for celebrities, going to a place where nobody knows them. Yeah, no word, nobody knows your name, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, our second story this week, uh, also <laughs> vampire-related, um, is that the spoof films um, are starting to see a decline. And this article is uh, directed primarily at the film Vampires Suck, which uh, Mr. Ma is going to review for us in just a moment. But it's also sort of tracing back um, the lineage of these films through the scary movie series and some of the spinoffs like the superhero movie, uh, date movie, epic movie, meet the Spartans, disaster movie, so forth and so on. Um, and the article's questioning is, has, is this genre now starting to die? And it's got some interesting data here uh, that we can look through. The, the original scary movie, which was done by the Wayans brothers, um, had actually made $278 million, and it had had a budget in the $20 million range. So it, it really had a very good return, and so that's why we got um, the offshoot of all the sequels and then uh, those, you know, the movies that are spinoffs you know, the disaster movies and the superhero movies and the, I think there's one called news movie and high school movie. And it's, there are a bunch of these that I've seen that have gone straight to video that I haven't even watched or, or bothered to watch. Um, and maybe the market's been saturated. Maybe it's been flooded because they're saying that the returns are not, uh, are not uh, sort of making it anymore. Is as long as the budgets remain small within the 15 to 30 million um, market range that these movies are not much of a gamble because ultimately, you know, these will go on and they may not make them up, make much in the cinemas, but once they get into um, cable and they get into the hotels and the airline market and then they finally get onto the DVD market internationally, they'll start to, you know, make back some of that. Um, but I'm sure everybody would like to get, you know, that, that big hit like the original Scary Movie was where you've got, you know, 10 times earnings coming back at you. Um, Kevin, what do you say? You're going to talk about uh, Vampire Suck in just a moment, but what are your thoughts on this spoof genre in general? Have you seen a lot of the spoof movies? I missed out on uh, the last couple of them, like Meet the Spartans and Date Movie and uh, Disaster Movie. Well, these are made by the same guys, and these are apparently the only guys left in Hollywood still making these uh, spoof movies. And it's sad because... And there's a there's a look that wrote for 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 vampire suck is that the days of airplanes and and hot shots are seem so long ago now. Yeah, I mean the the scary movie wasn't even that good. Um, actually, scary movie three and four I enjoyed for what they were because um I know the the Zucker I think David Zucker was uh directed those two instead of the Wayne brothers and you know those guys that are the airplane guys and you know that they know what they're doing. And they were, I, I thought the scary movie, the, the last two scary movies were a little more enjoyable than the first two. Yeah, see, I was, I was the opposite. I like, I, I like yeah. the Wayans ones more and I don't know. I, I just, it seemed to me like those were more encompassing with, 
with a lot of the parodies that they were doing. Um, whereas the later ones seem to be specifically parodying only like one or two films, you know, like I, I think the n number three had mixed, or maybe it was number four that had mixed up, um, the M night Shyamalan signs, signs with, yeah. um, saw if I remember correctly. And so it was like a combination of like the aliens were actually the, the, the puppet from saw was like an alien or something. It was really crazy. Um, yeah, but I thought it was hilarious. I mean, the the, the thing is that about the, the the well, back to the I guess the thing about the spoof movie is that it's not rather the appeal is gone. Um, I think this this suck. This suck these days. Um, it, they're just not very good. Like I said, only it seems like only one two guys make the same spoof movies over and over. Um, only those two guys do it, and they're not that good anymore. And you know, it's uh, when you make enough crap, no one's gonna show up because they recognize it's your movie. Um, I don't know if if the spoof genre is in is in store for another comeback because I don't think it's ever gone because uh, vampires suck. Uh, opened, I think, second place first weekend. Uh, considering that it only cost twenty million dollars, it made fifteen million dollars the first week, so it's going to make its money back. Um, by the time it, it's going to make plenty of money by the time it's over, it may not be scary movie numbers, but it's still making money. And as long as these films made by these two guys keep making money, they are going to keep doing it, and the spoof genre is going to keep sucking. Yeah, and the other point that this article makes is that it says. <laughs> Spoofs are built for the younger audiences that are typically uh, less discerning. Kind of reminds me of our discussion we had about the uh, Jade and the Pearl uh, a couple weeks ago. And that they don't require major stars. They're often extremely short, running uh, 80 to 90 minutes, meaning theaters can get away with more showtimes. And it does mention that Vampire Sucks clocks in at only 77 minutes. So that's like an hour and 17 minutes. And when you talk about, you know, maybe five minutes of credits at the end you know you're looking at like an hour-long movie who wants to pay full ticket price for that um so i perhaps they've cheapened themselves to death in terms of doing it on the cheap and and not having putting a lot of quality into it as you said and this is starting to come back and uh, bite them in the backside All right, let's talk about our West Screen film for this week. Kevin, tell us why vampires suck. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so vampires suck. It's from um, the two geniuses who made, uh, like I said earlier, the recent spoof films like uh, Meet the Spartans, um, Disaster Movie, Epic Movie. Um, and, uh, you know, I, there's always this old joke. I think their first solo movie i'm not sure what it was but i remember writing a, or helping someone writing a review for it um for a movie writing or film writing class in college and i gave him a, the last punchline is that yeah apparently the 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 people who sold these film this film said that it's made by two of the six guys who wrote scary movie so which means that it only must be one third as good a and it's true here vampires suck is still really the same stuff that um jason Seltzer and Aaron Freeberg is the same crap that they've made over and over again. Is they just take uh, one specific target or several targets. In this case, it will be the Twilight movies. 
and they blow up what they see wrong with it, and then add that in with a lot of cultural references, and then they think they have a movie. Um, I think if you've seen the Twilight films, I don't have to tell you really what it's about, because what it does is that it only combines the basic plot structure of the first two films, um, that's Twilight and New Moon, and put it together in this 70-minute package. And I think that's really the film's uh, most effective joke is that it kind of takes these this two uh, two hour long two hour plus movies and show them how 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 thin their their stories really are. Um, but I don't think many people are going to get that joke, so I'll just talk about what's actually in the movie. Um, as um, the plot goes in Twilight, vampires suck. Follows a young girl who goes to a small Pacific Northwest town. And becomes involved with a vampire named Edward. Um, and of course, in the process, she also meets uh, a Native American boy named Jacob. And turns out that he's a werewolf. Uh, or in this movie, he's only a chihuahua, but not quite a werewolf yet. Um, and just choose between the two. Um, that's well, that's I guess that's really what you can get out of the plot, but it doesn't really matter because it's really just an uh, excuse to chain together a bunch of skits, a uh, bunch of extended skits. You got stuff like uh, really typical stuff like when two people are talking, kind of having a serious conversation in the foreground. You have something really silly that catches your attention in the background. Uh, in this movie, it would be a policeman fighting a guy in a wheelchair. Um, not really funny. Um, or you have... Uh, Things like uh, just really exaggerations of certain things you see in Twilight. For example, um, when <clears throat> the 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 girl Becca first meets Edward, they do this uh, slow motion stare thing, and one of the per- one of the other characters name it uh, Hartwick One Hundred One, which is named after the director of the first film. That uh, is a basic technique to show that you two are attracted to each other. You know, that that kind of joke, and some of them work. Um, especially the lead actress. Um, I don't her name now so I'm sorry you're gonna have to edit this Paul while I look up her name sorry yes the actress's name is uh, Jen Jen Brooks I hope I'm saying this correctly her her impression of uh, Kristen Stewart in uh, Twilight is quite good she does that the lower her head, never look at, make eye contact, blinking thing. Uh, she does that throughout the whole movie in, in a really exaggerated fashion that you know she must be imitating Kristen Stewart, who is in turn really imitating Jodie Foster. And it, it, and it works, and it's really fun when she... It's really kind of funny whenever she does it, and, uh, and it works. Um, the, unfortunately, the, the actor who plays Edward, uh, Matt Lanter, he, he, he doesn't really pull off... Um, Robert Pattinson's uh, kind of soulless, soulless emoting as well. So uh, Sally doesn't work as well. Um, of course, there's a joke about people keeping their shirts off, and I'm sure when they made it, they didn't realize that the um, the filmmakers of Eclipse already kind of made fun of that uh, on their own. Uh, while some of these jokes work, most of it just really juvenile stuff. You know, you got the blood spraying, you got really exaggerated violence, you got the racial jokes, you got the the fart jokes. Of course, you cannot have a, a lowbrow comedy about fart jokes. Uh, but the problem is that a lot of the jokes really rely on how much fans know about the Twilight series, because uh, or how much how many details they remember from the Twilight films, because it's just sort of these exaggerated 
ridiculous versions of these Twilight moments, and that you really have to have seen the film to understand it, to understand what they're making fun of. Uh, other than that, you know, and you can let's let's besides the those those really crude fart jokes, you also have a lot of American pop culture references. Like I think there was something about the Kardashians. Um, I don't watch the reality show. Um, I haven't been in the states really for three years, so I'm totally out of touch with these references, and I have no idea where the joke is. Um, so people who don't really keep up with American pop culture, or not as much as I have, uh, as as I guess people in America would, they would be kind of lost and and wonder where this joke is. Um, you know, and just like I said when we we're doing the West Green News just now. It really made Airplane and Hot Shot. It made them seem so long ago because those were great spoof films, I think. Uh, Airplane especially is a classic spoof film because, one, you don't have to have watched those uh, airport disaster movies to to laugh at what's in Airplane. Um, I think almost all the jokes work in Airplane. Even now, when you watch it, you can still laugh at it. Vampires suck. You watch it in 30 minutes, you won't even remember it. You probably won't even find it funny anymore. Well, now, um, one of the things that I, I seem to remember in my memory of the um, earlier scary movie films were that um, it was pr- it was primarily you know, pi- parodying uh, Scream, which right. was very popular at the time, but it was also parodying other horror movies like I Know What You Did Last Summer, and uh, Halloween and, and a bunch of the other um, stuff that had led up to that point. Does this take any stabs at like other vampire? Does I mean, does, is there any mention of True Blood or uh, the, you know, or the Wolfman or any of the other sort of vampire where you know underworld? Because there's there's so much out there right now. Um, but from what I see in the trailer for this, it looks like it's only commenting on twilight yeah most of it is twilight there is a stephen moyer look-alike in uh in the scene um and he's drinking something called true blood 40 mm. in, in a paper bag and that's kind of the only um non-twilight reference um and you know for some reason they keep they they make the film under the assumption and one of the characters said this is that um in, in the 80s cocaine was a big thing but now the big thing is vampires. But it didn't real. It seems like even the filmmakers don't know that the vampire genre has been here, has been around for centuries. They had a really big, big mind of material to draw from. But their ambition is just to make fun of Twilight. Mm-hmm. Um, it seemed like they had, they have way too specific of a target, and you know, and they ends up trying to. And they end up trying to make these lame jokes about other popular films. Like there was a Alice in Wonderland reference. There was a Lady Gaga reference. You know, these stuff that that really doesn't have anything to do with with, with, with what they're spoofing. Um, and like I said earlier, I mean, Airplane of classic spoof films, you don't need to know the, the genre very well. The genre they're spoofing very well to understand the jokes. Um uh, you know, even hot shots. You know, you have really clever dialogue uh, in in what is what looks like what is disguised as a stupid film, but it's actually really smart in in the way to deliver the jokes. Here, it just seems like the filmmakers are the same IQ as Twilight's target audience, and they just end up making you know seven minutes of frat jokes about Twilight. Um, so you know, it, it, the good thing is that vampires suck. Does does people laugh once in a while uh it made me laugh a few times uh again they had really good lead performance lead female performance out for a spoof film 
But um, the trouble is that it does suck. <laughs> Go team Chihuahua. <clears throat> All right. Well, I think that's going to wrap things up for our show this week. Um, we will be back next week with episode 40, which will be our annual show. It'll be our one-year anniversary show. Hard to believe we've been doing this a year already. Um, yeah! And we'll be talking about... What we'll be talking about? I think Stool Pigeon it will be the big film we'll be talking about. And I'm not sure about West Screen, if we'll have anything up for that or not. Um, but we'll be having all kinds of stuff. Hopefully we'll be able to get a guest or two to come on and talk with us as well, since it is our anniversary show. As usual, you can follow us on our website at www.concast.com. You can post comments there. You can uh, send us email. You can send us an audio file through the site if you'd like to have uh, your comments or your thoughts played on the show here with us. And you can uh, uh, play the shows there as well, or you can get them off iTunes. And you can always follow us on Twitter to hear our daily musings and ramblings. And you can follow along as Kevin battles his cold. Um, And... Watch him tweet from his brand new iPad. Yeah! <laughs> and you yeah! can find Kevin over at uh, www.twitter.com slash thegoldenrock, as one word. And you, you can also find him on his blog at the lovehongkongfilm.com um, website. And where else can they find you, Kevin? Uh, they can read my weekly reviews at uh, www.ypmovies.com.hk. Um I think you mentioned Twitter already, right, Paul? Yep. The Twitter. Okay, so you can follow me on Twitter. Uh, and once in maybe a millennium, I do I do uh, update my blog at lovehkfilm.com. You can also see some of my editor's picks uh, at yesasia.com in the Yumcha section and a whole lot of anonymous writing. Although if you know my writing style, you probably know I wrote the descriptions. Paul? Yeah, not a secret. Uh, so, <laughs> so uh, now that you're an iPad fanatic, user, whatever they call us, um, we can expect you to be blogging all the time, right? Yeah, baby. From the <laughs> no, I'll probably actually I'll be watching my fancy HD video. So screw you, all Twitter people. I'm never tweeting again after, outside the office. <laughs> Sorry. And you can send your mail to Kevin at. Oh, no, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> So that's it for our show this week. We'll look forward to seeing you all next time. And as usual, we will wish you good viewing. And we'll see you then. See you next time at the Church of Rock!